Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. We are in Genesis 45 tonight as we are going to look at a message called The Revelation, the Great Revelation and Reconciliation. This is when Joseph is going to finally reveal himself to his brothers. Some would say this is the climax of the story, this is the pinnacle, this is what all of this has been leading to. So, uh, we have come to the pinnacle of the story and what leads into it is something that we left off with last week. So let's just take a peek. Genesis 44. Let's look at verse 30. Now therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, Genesis 44, 30, and the lad, that is Benjamin, Judah is speaking, is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life, it will come about when he sees that the lad is not with us, that he will die. Thus your servants will bring the gray hair of your servant, our father, down to Sheol in sorrow. For your servant became surety for the lad to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, verse 32, chapter 44, then let me bear the blame before my father forever. Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad. Judah says, I will take Benjamin's place, a slave to my lord, and let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me, lest I see the evil that would overtake my father? Now at this point when Joseph hears Judah's uh, plea for the life of Benjamin and says that he is willing to take Benjamin's place, which we saw as a beautiful picture of the gospel. We pointed out that Judah is that uh, tribe from which Jesus springs. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when Joseph sees that Judah was willing to take Benjamin's place, he is overtaken. And one of the reasons that he is overtaken by, I think, joy that's going to turn into tears is because he realizes that the hearts of his brothers have changed. He realizes that they are not only concerned about Benjamin, but they're also concerned about their father. And Joseph has put them through the paces to really reveal their hearts. He's really put them through a series of tests. And it was the famine that drove them to Egypt, but then he spoke harshly to them. Then he made them spend some time in solitude, in prison. He made them even revisit what Joseph had gone through or may have gone through, at least in their minds. He let them experience that anguish of what they had done. He let them look into their hearts, uh, ponder their souls and their actions. He let them think about what they had done. Even though they didn't know it was Him, He was kind of putting them through the paces. And before we meet Jesus Christ, we have moments in our lives, they may be seasons, they may be long stretches for a lot of us before we actually officially met the Lord, where He causes us to look into our souls. He causes us to see our sin for what it is and our need for a Savior. And if I interviewed each of you tonight and I asked you, what led up to that moment of your justification? What led up to that moment when you were born again of the Holy Spirit? I think a lot of us would say, I felt like I was experiencing conviction at every turn. I was meeting Christians everywhere. I barely met a Christian and then everywhere I turned there were Christians and all of them were inviting me to church. What is going on, right? And we know that God is a seeker of the lost. Jesus said He came to seek and to save that which is lost. He seeks us out. That's the beauty of what God had done here. And they were driven by the famine. They had to end up in Egypt. And of course, behind all of this was the hand of God. 
And Joseph, chapter 45, verse 1, could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried. And he said, have everyone go out from me. Clear the room. So that there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. So Joseph cleared the room. He finally is going to reveal himself. Can you imagine how many times he was tempted to tell them in some exchange that he was having through the interpreter, I am Joseph. You remember the story, the first Batman, when was it Michael Keaton was practicing? I'm Batman, I'm Batman, but he couldn't quite get it out. I wonder how many times Joseph, that's a bad illustration, huh? but anyway, I wonder how many times Joseph wanted to just come out and say it and he had to kind of stuff it down. I am your brother, I am Joseph. No, I'm sure he replayed that many times in his uh, life and prison experience and time in Potiphar's house. And this whole moment is going to be the casting of the shadow of the Messiah. This is where we have talked in times past about typology in the Bible. And when we studied 1 Samuel, we said that David is a type of Jesus, a type of the Messiah, a type of the Anointed One. Not in all the behavior that David did, but in some of the cases. And Joseph also casts a beautiful shadow of the Messiah as he reveals himself to his brothers. The book of John says he came to his own, but his own did not recognize him. Before his brothers even realized it was Joseph, Joseph knew who they were, and he and we'd have to argue from what we're about to see that he loved them. And before you ever knew God, God knew you. And before you ever loved God, God loved you. We love Him because He first loved us. He wove us together in our mother's womb. Before I formed you in the womb, Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you, God says to the young prophet. And I have called you to be a prophet to the nations. And I shared with you something that David Jeremiah shared a few weeks ago, that before anybody ever touched you or loved you, God did. And Joseph knows who his brothers are, and it's been within his power to do whatever he wanted to do with them. He could have not given them grain. He could have kept them in prison for a long time. But, but Joseph's bent was reconciliation. He wanted to be reconciled to his brothers. He wanted to see his father again. He deeply desired to be reconciled to Benjamin, even though Benjamin had no part in his being sold into slavery. He had a plan, and he was taking his brothers through the paces to get to the plan of reconciliation. And that is one way that he casts the shadow of God. God wants to get you to a point of reconciliation. So Jesus came into the world, and God was in the world, in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself. That's what 2 Corinthians 5 tells us, that He's no longer counting our sins against us, those of us who are reconciled, because God had a plan, and that was to bring us back to Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ. And these brothers have been carrying the guilt for 20 plus years of what they had done. We've seen in uh, other Bible verses where they say, you know, God has uncovered our guilt. God is the one behind this. Now comes the reckoning for our brother's blood. They sense God is working through this mystery man who is a viceroy or a prime minister in Egypt. God demonstrates His own love toward us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here's what Romans 5.9 says. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. 
For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And now we exult in this reconciliation. To be reconciled to somebody means there is a problem, by the way. You know, if you need to be reconciled, there's an issue, right? And the, the issue that we have between us and God is that our sin has made a separation. And so the church has now been given a ministry, and our ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. It's as though God were pleading through us for people to be reconciled to God. And so God has made the way of reconciliation through the blood of the cross. So Joseph, verse 1, chapter 45, could not control himself. So he sends everybody else out of the room. And this is when Joseph is now about to make himself known. Um, can you imagine when he cried out and cleared the room? They still don't know it's Joseph. Can you imagine what they're thinking? What is going on with this, this beardless viceroy of Egypt? man? This guy is an emotional dude, right? He's gotten emotional several times. He's had to leave the room several times. He's hidden it, of course, for the most part, but now Joseph can't handle it anymore. One writer says they watched this man in astonishment. The muscular, beardless viceroy wailed uncontrollably, and they were clueless, they were helpless, and they were trembling. And so Joseph now is going to reveal himself to his brothers, and he wept loudly, verse 2, so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard of it, or they heard so he wailed so loudly that even the people that left the room heard him crying. There was a couple times in Jesus' ministry when he cried. He cried at the tomb of Lazarus, you remember. And uh, it says in John 11.35 that Jesus wept. Why did he weep? He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But we can only conjecture, we can say that we think he wept because he saw the brokenness of what sin and death does to people. We think he wept because we, we know his, his friend had died and we know the, the uh, drama and the tension that it caused to people that he loved. But, but Lazarus is really a picture of all humanity. We die. Sometimes you know, there are sad circumstances around our death and that is because of sin. And so Jesus at the tomb and even over Jerusalem, he wailed over the city. And he said in Luke 13, 34, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together just as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, yet you would not have it or you were unwilling. He had a broken heart for people who would not respond to him. And God is a God who wants us to be reconciled, but we have a part. Did you hear those words? But you, I wanted to, but you were what? unwilling. You wouldn't come. You're not willing to come to me, Jesus said in John 5, that you might have life. And so the message of reconciliation does go out. God does desire men and women, uh, people of every age, to uh, be reconciled to Him. And so here's Joseph now, and he's weeping and he's wailing, and everybody hears it. And Joseph said to his brothers, look at verse 3, I am Joseph. Now, can you imagine, those words must have just rocked the brothers. They, it must have just stunned them. They were trying to figure this guy, out, this guy out, but now he says, I am Joseph. And then he says, is my father still alive? It's been 22 years, we'll find out, since he, is, uh, he was sold into slavery. But his brothers could not answer him, 
for they were dismayed at His presence. Have you ever been in a situation where you are in stunned silence? You're so rocked to your core that words cannot come out. There are no words. I am Joseph. What? Now can you imagine all the emotion that had been bottled up in Joseph for all this time, but now all the emotion that begins, begins to come to the surface for the brothers? What? You're not dead? You, you're, you're that guy that's been doing all this stuff to us? You, jo- Joseph? I mean, they had to be, be just blown away. And then I'm sure that their guilt rose to the surface because I think they had concluded as a group that somehow he had died and they would never see him again. Now all of a sudden they had to deal with their guilt. Now all of a sudden they had to come face to face with the one that they had hurt so deeply, the one that they had sold into slavery, and the one that we know they had regretted in uh, the things that they had done. You are listening to Living Truth Radio with Pastor Michael Lance. I'm Mike Massaro, and I know what you're thinking. Wait, why are you interrupting Pastor Michael's sermon? Well, I have a good reason. Since Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported program, it relies on donations from people just like you to stay on the air. Trust me, you can't always assume that someone else is going to be the one doing the donating. So if God has blessed you through our ministry, we'd encourage you to go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the donate button. Let's face it, the way the world's going these days, we need all the solid teaching we can get. So partner with us today. That's livingtruthradio.org. Now, back to Pastor Michael. The New Living Translation says his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there right in front of them. Romans 3.19 says that the law of God shuts every mouth. It silences every mouth because every excuse that we can make about why we do what we do or the justifications we make before God, the, the law, the light of the law closes our mouth. It presents every life guilty before God. I was, I've told this story before, but it illustrates the point. I was witnessing to a guy, and uh, he was uh, a guy that oversaw a prison, and he was married, and um, you know, he had a couple of kids, and he was a family man. And I began to share the gospel with him, and he said, I don't think I need that. I'm a, I'm a good guy. And he said, you know, I, I'm faithful to my wife, and I oversee a prison, and I show up to work every day and I work hard. White picket fence, 2.5 kids, a dog named Spot. You've heard it all before, right? I don't think I need Jesus. Now those guys that are in the prison I oversee probably need Jesus, but I don't think I do. So what I did was, instead of commenting on the guys in the prison, and he said oftentimes they, you know, they say they have a conversion and they're back in my prison six months later. <clears throat> and I said, well, let me ask you a question. And I began to just go through some of the law. I said, have you ever lied Have you ever lusted after someone who's not your spouse? Have you ever taken the name of the Lord in vain? Have you ever put another God before the God of the Bible? And when the light of the law shone on him, rather than comparing himself to other people, he began to compare himself to the holy standards of God. And it shut his mouth. And he went, oh, I've never thought about it like that before. He was always seeing his alleged need for Christ, in quotes, Uh, as compared to other people. But when the light of the law, and by the way, the law of God is a direct reflection of the nature of God. The law of God reflects God's character. And so when we misuse the name of God, we we are lowering the, the standard of who God is. We can't lower His holiness, but 
we are taking his name in vain and so forth. Well, they were stunned. And their guilt was revealed. And now they are right before Joseph. Chrysostom says, I am surprised at the way they could stand there and gape without their soul parting company with their body. <laughs> without their going out of their mind or hiding themselves in the ground. Close quote. Have you ever been there before where you just want to go somewhere and hide? Like, oh no. Please don't shine that light on me anymore. Now Joseph at this point, if you're Joseph, here's an opportunity. You could say something like this. I am Joseph and you are all a bunch of no good slugs. How could you do this to me? I mean, I'm sure he could have rehearsed that many, many times, right? Just because of the coat? Just because of the dreams? Really? And he could have said to the guards, banish them forever. Kill them all. I want nothing to do with them ever again. But God had been doing some work not only on the brothers' hearts, but on Joseph's heart. And Joseph said to his brothers something that had to stun them. He said, please, come closer to me. Come. And they came closer. You can imagine some of them were trying to probably get in the back of the line. <laughs> you go first. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. You know, when Jesus was in the... Uh, he met with the disciples in Luke 24. and They were frightened and they thought they had seen a spirit. And Jesus said, touch me and see. A spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have come. The invitation in the Bible, even when we see our sin for what it is and we see how many times we have rejected the God of the Bible, how many times maybe we have walked away from the truth of the Gospel or rejected the truth of Messiah, Jesus says, come. Come to Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come. You know, the old hymn at the Billy Graham Crusades, come just as you are. Hear the Spirit call. Come with your guilt. Come with your shortcomings. Come with all the emotions you're feeling right now. Come. You know, sometimes we, we get this notion that we, we have to clean up our lives before we can come to Christ. So there are people who say, you know, you invite them to church and they go, I don't know if I should come to that place. Lightning may just... It might just strike me when I come through the door. And usually I say to them, it may. <laughs> so let us know when you're coming. I'd like to be ten feet away. No, just kidding. No, we come just as we are. Because the Spirit's calling us. James Montgomery Boyce, commentator on the Bible, was talking about Reverend E.V. Hill. Do you remember E.V. Hill, Baptist preacher out of Los Angeles? Well, he said, some time ago, Reverend E.V. Hill, a great preacher from Los Angeles, was in Philadelphia speaking to an annual gathering of black Baptist churches. He was speaking on the expulsion of Adam and Eve from Eden. Dr. Hill is dramatic on occasion, and I think uh, Boyce and Hill are now with the Lord. He said he's, he's dramatic on occasion, but he was especially so on this one. Seated next to him on the platform was the leader of the Baptist Federation. When he got to the point of the story in which Adam and Eve were driven from Eden, Dr. Hill took off his long preaching robe, placed it on his distinguished colleague, using it to represent his sin. Then he ordered him out of the church. 
For many long moments, Hill kept saying to the man, leave, leave the church, get out of the church, leave now. Finally, his friend got up from his seat, walked down from the steps of the platform, turned and made his way down the center aisle to the main door of the church and stepped outside. Then Dr. Hill posted two angels, in quotes, who were deacons at the door, and instead uh, and insisted that they do their job and not permit the leader of the Federation of Churches to return into the building. There was a moment of silence after the out, this outrageous demonstration, but then Hill began to preach on grace. He explained how sin separates us from the presence of a holy God, but how Jesus died on the cross to remove this sin. He explained the gospel invitation before Christ's work God's word to us was, Go! Get out! But now, through Christ's work, He says, Come. Come just as you are. The illustration hit the mark. Because in Eden, when we fell, we were told, Go, right? And Adam is the federal head of all of us, right? And he was kicked out of the garden and two angels guarded the way. But even in Genesis 3, there is the pre-evangel. There is this idea that one is coming who will crush the serpent's head and we can be let back into Eden, reconciled back to God. God does not say to the sinner, Go! He says, Come. But you must come through Jesus Christ, because there's going to be a day where Jesus Christ will judge people. You know, He is the judge. And some people will be told, Go! Depart from Me, for I never knew you. The ones who will be bidden to come will be those who are cleansed by the blood and cloaked in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. God does not say go. God says come, but you must come through His Son. I am Joseph. I am your brother. Zechariah 12.10 says, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication so that they will look on Me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for Him as one mourns for an only son and they will weep bitterly over Him like the bitter, bitter weeping over a firstborn. I am Joseph, who you sold into slavery. We can almost hear the words ringing through eternity. I am Jesus, whom you crucified. But he still says, come. He invites them to come close, to touch, to hear his voice, to know that it is he. He hurried to calm them. Verse 5 makes it clear that they were both grieved and angry with themselves. And he said, now, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves. It reminds me of Nehemiah 8.10 where it says, don't be grieved. The joy of the Lord is your strength because you sold me here. Notice Joseph. For God sent me before you to preserve life. I think Joseph had been doing some FaceTime with God. And I think over these 22 years, Joseph had learned something but it took him a while. He had to see kind of the complete picture and now he saw it. And because Joseph had spent time with the Lord, at this moment, he was able to say, come instead of go. He was able to say, it's okay, God was behind this instead of you dirty rascals, get out of my sight forever. And if we are going to learn how to forgive, if you and I are going to learn 
the forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ to extend it to other people. We're going to have to spend time with the One who's forgiven us. Amen? We're going to have to realize the mammoth mountain of sin that was forgiven in my life so that it becomes easier for me to forgive others. If you were in Joseph's sandals right now, there would probably be a number of nasty things that you could feel justified in saying. I'm not sure if we were in the same spot, we would say, oh, don't be mad at yourselves. Wouldn't you want them to grovel in it just for a little while? No, I take that back. Go ahead and feel terrible. right? But I think he already knew that they had come to a place of dealing with their sin. And so he says, don't, don't be grieved. Don't be angry. Don't be angry with yourselves. God sent me before you to preserve life. When... When we feel guilt and we don't rest in the forgiveness of Christ, what ends up happening is we become consumed by guilt. We want to give you an opportunity right now. Don't waste another moment without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You say, Pastor Michael, how do I do that? Simply this, you cry out to him. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on that cross. Pray it right now. Keep your eyes open if you're driving. I believe you died on that cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe that you are God in human flesh. I trust you as my Lord and my Savior. I repent of my sin and receive you. I'm going to do it your way. Let me be born again by your Holy Spirit. Give me a new start and a new heart. If you're a prodigal, pray something similar. Come home. Come back to the face of grace. That's what the Bible is all about. I mean, look, there's ugly stuff in the Bible, but it's all about a redeemer. My redeemer lives. And I'm going to see him one day. And that's our hope, folks, for all of us. Because we've all sinned. We all fall short of God's glory. That's why Jesus came. And he came through, you know, really a a human line that's just so much like our families. uh, And ugly stuff to save us. That's what God came to do. To save you and me. Trust in him and him alone for your salvation. And if you did that today, please reach out to us. If you need prayer, we'd like you to contact us. There's a contact form at livingtruthradio.org. Tell us who you are, where you listen, how the program's been a blessing to you. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, just, just say, hey, I decided to follow Jesus today, Pastor Michael. I recommitted my life today. Let us know. livingtruthradio.org, the contact form. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92. Eight eight zero. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.